Carlos Minio. Say it with me, Minio. Okay, great. Two forks high, raise the stakes. Risk it all, I take the hate. This the winning team. Get the Gatorade. My guy good, but he's not safe. Nah. They try to shut us down, and it ain't gonna slide. Only thing I fear is God, and he on my side. That's the confidence I got, cause he got me. That's why I really feel like you. What's up, DSM? How you guys doing tonight? Good. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm super excited for tonight. Super excited for this series to start. Pastor Dave's going to bring the fire. So, as always, I have a question. And I want you guys to think this through. This is a serious question. We have two... Um, two, two different types of shoes, okay? Nikes or Adidas? Okay, so take a few minutes, talk about it, get a solid answer. I'm a be me, I'm a be me. 
thinking on me, but you really don't. I made brand new, dip it with a snow. And I'ma do it God's way. Ain't no stopping when I'm guessing, homie, no breaks. I'm trying to kill everything with my God on my side. And I can do anything. Trying to build an empire with my skyscraper drink. Ain't no trying to be no one else. I'm the number one me, okay? Booking hat with my chucks on. In the now, burger in the studio. I didn't love myself like five years ago. But God told me I would see me. That's 2020 though. I don't turn up, man, I'm going eh? They can talk all they want, they can bring the hate. You ain't gotta show your body for likes on the post. Be yourself, love yourself, stop doing the most, girl. Everything the same thing. I walk a different way, a different way. I'ma be myself, no matter what I hate, it gotta say, uh, I'ma be me, be me, I'ma be me, you can do what you want, but homie, homie, that's me, that's me, I'ma, I'ma be me, I'ma be me. Okay, how many of you guys would say Nikes all the way? There should be way more of you. How many of you would say Adidas? Gross. How many of you guys say neither Vans? <laughs> Sweet. All right, y'all. Um, why don't you all come up front and join us up front? Gonna go ahead and get started. Let's just start off by, let's just lift up our hands. So lift up your hands with me. Just, just welcome the Holy Spirit. Lord, we're so thankful for you. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful that we can come into your presence and that you're, you're faithful to meet us. God, we give you tonight. God, we rededicate ourselves to you. We say that we are yours. Come and have all of us. Holy Spirit, come and be in this place. Come and be in this room. Would you speak to us? Make our hearts open to receive what you have for us tonight. So Father, we come before you and we worship you. We give you everything. You're worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. In Jesus' name. All right, DSM, let's worship.
You are king. 
You say, peace be still to the storms of our lives. You declare, peace be still to the storms in our lives. Jesus, Jesus. Yes, God. You were the word at the beginning, one with God.
a second year in DLA. Um, so now we're going to move into a time of intercession. And so I just want to take a couple minutes to talk about intercession. So it's a big word that basically means to pray on behalf of something or someone else. And tonight, I just want to declare that the, we have a God who hears our prayers. Hey, we have a God who draws near to us. He hangs on every word you say. Um, so as we move into intercession, I just want to encourage you with this quote by John Wesley. It says, God does nothing on earth save in answer to believing prayer. So let's just pray with passion. I want every person in here to lift up their voice tonight. Um, so as you know, we're starting a series on purity. So we're just going to pray that the Lord would come and reveal his truth about purity, that he would come and speak truth, that he would break down lies that we're believing. So dear Jesus, we come to you and we just lift up this night to you. God, I ask that you would come and that you would speak your truth about purity tonight. I ask that lies would be broken, that eyes would be open. Jesus, I pray against any shame and condemnation, and I thank you that our purity does not hang on our history. Our purity is not defined by the things that we've done, but our purity is in the blood of Jesus. And I thank you for this invitation for everyone to come. God, I thank you that you will give us pure hearts and clean hands. In your name, amen. Let's go back into worship. Is ready to dance a little bit? Here we go.
says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So love is described as a gift in this passage. And so I know it's easy to think of our tithes and our offerings as something that we just do because our youth pastor tells us or God commands us. But I want to challenge y'all to give out of a heart of love. It's our way to give back to the Lord. And so um, I'm going to challenge y'all to give whatever you have. Uh, just give what the Lord has put on your heart, whether it's a dollar or $100. Um, and we're going to call up the ushers, and then we're going to pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for this gift, Father. Father, I thank you that you are good, that you sent your son, Father. I thank you that you gave everything for us. God, we want to give it back in return. We want to give something back to you, Father, because we love you. and We're so thankful for everything that you have done, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. What's up, DSM? How are you guys doing tonight? Good? All right. So for, for you guys, my name is Coke Capshaw. I'm a third year here in DLA. So tonight, we're going to start things off a little bit differently than, than we normally would. So right here, I have Nathan Markin and Kirsten Gearing, who are going to come up for a quick, friendly competition for us to start off the night. So the competition for tonight is called Lamentations or Taylor Swift. So the object of the game is so up on the screen, they're going to throw up a quick quote. So on the quote, you're, it's either going to be an excerpt from Lamentations or it's going to be a song lyric from Taylor Swift. So you guys, as the audience, have to help these two figure out what it's going to be. And the winner is going to get a prize. So only help the person that you're wanting to win. 
and try to distract the person you don't want to win, all right? So the first one on the board. She played fast and loose with life. What do you guys think? I would go with levitation. <laughs> you know how to say it? No. <laughs> lamentations. Can I agree? I agree, lamentations. All right, all right, good job. Okay. So the record is one and one, all right? So if you guys can help me keep track of who is winning and who is losing. So what's next? You can hear it in the silence. Taylor Swift. That's my girl, T Swizz. All right, all right, all right. Not bad, not bad. All right. Two for two, what's next? Ever seen pain like my pain? Seen what he did, it, did to me. You think? Lamentations. What do you think, Nathan? Just to change things up, Taylor Swift. All right, ah, oh, Lamentations, all right. Kirsten's pulling away, three to two. All right, what, what we got? I weep, weep buckets of tears. Lamentations. Lamentations. All right. All right, not bad, not bad. Okay. Last one. The, okay. The light and noise are blinding. <laughs> Tea swizzle. The only way for me to win is to disagree, so lamentations. <laughs> Ah, all right. Well, is there one more? Oh. oh, okay. You got one more. You got one more. Okay. Groaning in pain. I've had all I can take. Taylor Swift. <laughs> Lamentations. All right. Kirsten Gearing. Five for five. All right. Is that all of them? Oh, goodness. Okay. Babies and children are fainting all over the place. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, uh, lamentations. I would go Lamentations, too. All right. Ah, Lamentations, too. Perfect. <laughs> all right. One more. All right. They take their shots. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. All right, good job. All right, so obviously Kirsten won <laughs> with a perfect record. So she wins this authentic 1970 desperation bracelet. <laughs> All right, guys, let's give a big round of applause for Pastor David Martin. All right. Hey, you know what? That, I want to show us that, that bumper. Show that one more time because that looks cool. Come on, play it one more time. Y'all ready? Y'all ready for tonight? Yeah? All right, play that bumper. That'll give me time to set up. All right, now it's official. What's up, DSM? I've missed you guys. I, cannot, I could not wait to get back with you guys, man. We're about to enter into a brand new series, but before we do anything, we're going to pray, and we're going to give the rest of this night to the Lord. So pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, what we ask is that you would multiply our time and make my words count. Lord, what I ask is in the name of Jesus 
that whatever philosophies and ideas and perspectives and lies that have shaped and warped our minds and our hearts about the gift that you've given to us, and that is the gift of unity and oneness and relationship with one another, the gift of sex, Father, the gift of purity, these things, Lord, I pray that you would just straighten us out so we would stop being robbed, that we would stop being lied to. I pray for the broken hearts in this room that have believed the lies, and Father, their lives are shattered as a result of it. We know that you are a healer, and so I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless this night, that there would not be one student, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that walks out of these doors feeling condemned, shameful, and guilty, but rather liberated, free, and know that they're loved because you are God and you love them. So Lord, take our time and make it happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! All right. I cannot wait to get into this. We're starting this brand new series called Before Anyone Else, and the acronym is, there we go. It's so cliche for a youth pastor to do a sex and dating series in February. I know that. But here's what you got to know. All of y'all are thinking about these things. Some of you are making plans for Valentine's Day. Others of you are wishing that you can make plans for Valentine's Day, right? And everything in between. But for the next three Wednesday nights, this series is probably going to be a little bit different than what you expect. And you go, how is that, Dave? Say it. I will tell you. Too often, sex and dating series... In youth groups can be wrapped up in three words. Don't do it. Or in four words. Don't even think about it. Right? I could save you three weeks' time if that's what the series was going to be about. Let me do the preaching. How many words was that? No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. That's right. It is. You're right. It was five words. The OCD kids in the house. All right. But don't even think about it. I was speaking with someone, and I had the question asked, David, are you going to preach about abstinence? And I said, I really believe that 99.5% of any student or adult that walks through that door would not go, oh, my gosh, he believes in abstinence at a church, right? So, guys, of course abstinence is, yeah, but is there more to sex than just not doing it? You see, God created something so beautiful, and we're going to talk about this tonight, and I'm afraid that in youth ministries, too often well-meaning youth pastors say, don't do it. Don't even think about it. Right? And you walk out, and you're like, I know that, but man, how do I navigate 2017? I don't know what is right. How far is too far? What is right? What is wrong? What if I've messed up? All of these questions. And I just think that you deserve more than just don't do it. I think you deserve honest answers. I owe it to you because I love you guys to be able to give you a healthy perspective of sex and that it's not this big, scary monster that's just looming around the corner waiting to eat your face off. It's not that. Sex was God's idea. If anybody is a fan of sex and loves it when people do it, it's God. His way, though. Okay? So, boy, it got quiet in here quick, didn't it? But I'm not going to dance around the truth with you guys. We're gonna have, this is going to be a fun series. It's going to be a practical series. Because you need to know how to live this stuff out when you walk out the doors. Besides, don't do it. Don't think about it. 
So I'm not going to give you simple answers to complex uh, situations. This whole series is going to be based upon what God says about sex and relationships. So for those of you worried or those who are listening on podcasts, can we give some love to those who listen on podcasts from Colorado Springs? Yeah. All over the world, guys, people listen to this sermon and hear you guys, man. So I want you to understand, to those who really are concerned and maybe don't know me and they think that I'm going to kind of water this down, everything that I teach you is going to be supported by Scripture, okay? I'm going to be preaching right out of the Bible. But before we get into our first night, let me clear up what the series is not. This series is not a birds and bees series, Okay? And you go, what does that mean? What I'm saying, this is not a biology class. Okay? Here's the thing. If you don't know by this point how you got here, on your way home, ask your mommy or daddy how you got here. And let them worry about that because I have no interest in having that conversation with you. But with that in mind, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about questions that I get from students. I've been in youth ministry since 2004, and the question has always stayed the same, and it's this. All right, David, honestly, how far can I go without getting in trouble with God or my parents? Why do we ask that question? Because we have desires, right? We have these desires, and and we want to have those desires met. We're human beings, right? And the reason why is as you mature, and grow up, by God's design, your body begins to release chemicals. Okay, so this is the most biological part of the whole series right here. And these chemicals start to change the way that you look and the way that you look at others. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and this is when all of a sudden girls start paying more attention to how they dress and their makeup and their hair. And this is when boys go out and buy their first can of Axe body spray. Okay? And they choose to start bathing once a week or more. It's just really, it's a beautiful thing. Hygiene is introduced. It's so cool. We are so glad for it. And to varying degrees of success, the game is on, right? And and so basically, maybe you find someone that you think is hot. Or maybe someone thinks you're hot. And then if things go really well, and you're allowed to date, and your mom and dad approve of all these things, the conversation takes place. Um, yo, girl, um, it's so funny when a middle-aged white bald guy does this, right? Yo, girl, will you be my shawty? <laughs> yes, I will be your boo, right? It's so, so we have this exchange, and now romance has now blossomed. And it's amazing because you get sick to your stomach when you think about them because you're so in love, and, and, and you can't stop thinking about them. And you change your Instagram profile, and you're like, you know, this person's bae since yesterday or whatever. And, and you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, so, it's fun, man. It's, like, totally cool. Why? Because we're made to want to have a relationship. And we have these these needs, right? And so there's the physical side, and God has wired each of us to have desires. Not only physically, though, but in our heart. We how many of us in here? It's a stupid question because it's so obvious, but how many of you in here want to be loved by somebody? Right? Three jaded people that have just broke up recently, like, no, love is for losers. It's okay, it's all right. We're gonna get through this. Can I tell you something? Sexuality is as much about your body as it is your soul. And that's what you don't hear. 
You see, God created us to be sexual beings. Did you all hear that? God created us to be sexual beings. It's his idea. And so when God made Adam, what he said, he says, it's not good for this guy to be alone. He's kind of creepy by himself. That's, that's the David Martin translation. That's not a good translation. So God creates this woman named Eve, right? A woman, so that they could be together for life. And so God is the most romantic person and entity ever. God loves romance. So he puts these two together, right? And God also wired Adam and Eve to have sexual feelings towards one another. Sex was God's idea. And you didn't get any argument from Adam and Eve. They loved his idea as well. And so because of that, not only does sex provide this unity and this moment of pleasure and intimacy with, with, your, with your spouse, but also that's how babies are made. Okay? And you go, okay, Dave, hold on. I'm a junior hire. I know this is a senior high youth group, but shoot straight. You mean the stork didn't deliver me, right? Yeah. All I could say is that you're here and I'm here because our parents made us the same way that Adam and Eve made their kids. Let's scrub that image out of our heads now, okay? We all got here because mom and dad liked each other enough to get after it. So what's my point? My point is I don't want to get fired. That's the first point. The second point is... As you start dating, you got to understand some stuff. You're a sexual being wired by God to have sex. And even as you hear this, you go, oh, that's kind of uncomfortable. We don't talk like that in church. It's because we have made it un... What, it's gone against the plan that God has ever decided for us to know. Let me rephrase that. Dear Lord, help me speak tonight. I have a cold, and so I'm high on Mucinex D. So um, that's a whole nother series. But here's the thing. God wants us to embrace sexuality. He, the devil has gone into the church, and what he's done is he's made it sound like the worst thing a human being could ever possibly consider. That's what I was trying to say. He wants to make the church think that this is scary, it's evil, it's gross, you're a pervert if you want to do it. And then, though, in a typical series like this, the Don't Do It series in a youth group, so you go, it's an abomination, you're evil, God will send you to hell if you ever take one step if you hold a girl's hand, but enjoy it too much, you're on your way, right? And we go, oh my goodness, but then we go around and we go, but when you get married and you sleep with your spouse for the first time, it's the most mind-blowing out-of-body experience any human could ever have, right? So we oversell it, and then we undersell it. And it's, like, so stupid. I was talking to someone else about this series, and I said, listen, my wife and I grew up in a youth group and separately, and this is what we were told. Don't do it. Don't think about it. But when you get married, it's going to be the most awesome thing you've ever experienced in your whole entire life. We bought that. But guess what? We get married. We saved ourselves till marriage. We tried to do it the right way. We'll get into more of that in next week and the week after. But we crossed the finish line. And while sex is amazing and it's a gift from God, I didn't have an out-of-body experience. And I could tell you another thing that really stinks. We both felt guilty after getting married for having sex. How messed up is that? 
the church has done a really bad job of equipping students and how to see this in a positive light. Sex is beautiful. It's his idea. So as we open up our series before anyone else, it's kind of dumb to talk about sex and relationships, though, tonight. And you go, well, what have you been talking about the last 15 minutes, bro? No, really, we have to first talk about the point of sex and relationships and what they're about in the first place. And, and so how many of y'all heard this old school saying, like, putting the cart before the horse? Anybody ever heard that statement? There's that saying before. There's a picture. Go on and throw that picture up there. Okay, cart before the horse. What's wrong with this picture? That's right. That would look kind of stupid for the horse to be pushing the carriage like this, right? There's a much better way. The horse pulls the carriage. Cart before the horse. So for the sake of conversation tonight, guys, the horse represents marriage, okay? And the cart represents the sex that follows the horse. Weird imagery, but you get the idea, okay? Just work with me. The problem is, is that when you get those things backward, what happens is, is things start getting messed up. Things don't work like they're supposed to. There's complications. There's more effort put into this whole thing. And so some of you are like, David, why are we talking about marriage tonight? I'm 14. You know, why do I care? I will tell you why you care. Because regardless of how old you, you are tonight, you're going to leave this room having a totally different view of marriage than you probably have right now. And you're going to understand what God was wanting to do with this whole thing in sex and relationships. So in my limited time, I'm going to break this down. Now, i got to give credit to a pastor in Oklahoma at Life Church. He's amazing. I love that guy, Pastor Craig Rochelle. This sermon rocked me, and I completely stole most of it, uh, and I'm going to share it with you because it's that good. Most pastors don't give credit to other pastors' sermons. I do because this guy killed it, and I can't preach it better than how he preached it. So imagine it's your wedding day. The girls are like, oh, my gosh, I can't wait. And your dads and your moms are like, oh, we can. That's going to be so expensive. But imagine you're at the altar and you're saying your vows, right? And there's this last sentence of your vows that's traditional, and it's this. It's till death do us. Yeah, right? And so we, if you don't know where that actually came from, you think that maybe there's a cool thing that someone thought up along the way and it sounds cool. Oh, no, you don't understand. God says, no, actually, this is a promise that you're making to a soulmate that I'm actually expecting you to keep. So let me take you back to where the statement started in the Old Testament. Way back in the day when two young people were about to marry. Now, this is what I'm about to share with you. It blows my mind. I, I, and I can't wait to blow your mind with this whole story. Two young people were about to marry. And so what would happen is they would go into a season of preparation. Everybody say Preparation. Yes, so they would enter this year-long process called an engagement, all right? Now, this was not a, hey, let's just see if this works out. Maybe someday we'll get married. No, 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 no. This was a major deal. So here's what happened. What happened was before the groom started picking out a tux or deciding what bachelor party to be able to set up and go to, the, dad, the groom's dad, now listen to this, gentleman. This is for real. You better love a girl because listen to what the story the groom's dad would intensely teach the first five books of the Bible to him. So imagine, guys, you just want to take a girl out to go see the new Lego Batman movie. Oh, no, not here. You know what you had to do first? You had to memorize the first five books of the Bible before you could do that. They took it serious. So you're learning the Bible. But while the guy was learning the Bible, 
Like, in the beginning, God created, okay, in the beginning, God created the, uh, the, the earth, yeah, right, while you're, like, struggling to get through those five books, where's the girl? Well, the bride-to-be was protected. Everybody say protected. Her purity was majorly protected, and her virginity was guarded. Why? Because the girl, outside of her heart, her virginity was the most precious, special thing that she can give to her spouse. Okay? That's a beautiful picture. So if you read scripture, women in this young girl's life would guard this girl. So this girl could not really go anywhere without these women around her to protect her. And you go, protect her from what? From the smooth-talking players that would come across her path. And they go, yo, girl. And she goes, oh, he's kind of cute. He's got his own car. No, 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 no. You get back over here. You stay pure. That's what these women would do. Why? Because these smooth talkers would come in and try to take a girl's purity. Sound familiar? 2017, these godly women were in her life to protect her. Why do I bring that, this up? Because this is a picture of what godly women in your lives, ladies, should be doing. They should be protecting your purity. They should be weighing in your cadre leaders, your female cadre leaders, your moms, your friends. You should be protecting one another because this matters. It's more than just your virginity physically, guys. It's your heart. They want to save you for what God's best is, not because some guy knows how to smooth talk you and manipulate you to get what he wants and then leave you. That's so common. So these women would protect these girls. Well, I think we need more of this because I got an eight-year-old daughter. And I'm psycho, as if you're starting to learn. And I'm very protective of my daughter. And I need some women, some godly women, and y'all, to be able to invest and protect my precious little daughter from smooth-talking plays when they, she gets into high school, junior high and elementary. <laughs> and now, um, she came home the other day. She's like, there's this boy named Ethan, and he kissed me. And I'm like, how old is he? Eight. Well, you tell eight-year-old Ethan that I don't see age I just see red, and I'm going to go and handle that kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to go to jail, so we chilled out on that. But, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You go, Dave, where are you going with this? Oh, we're going a lot of places. But here's the thing. You need a woman in your life, ladies, to say, honey, you've got to go back and put something else on. My gosh. Okay. I'm already offending people. I get it. I get it. But listen, man, guys are visual. And we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks too. Dude, you could wear, you could wear a burqa. I mean, people who wear burqas still, they're, they're, like the dudes are like, I bet you there's something amazing underneath that. Right? Guys, we're, we're like, we're Neanderthals. Okay? But when you just put it out there, man, it's like, dude, what are you doing? And so you have a girl and a woman say, honey, you got you to do something better than what you got. And then you may get a little upset. And I understand that. No one wants to hear that. Maybe you're looking at my outfit and you're like, hey, maybe someone should have told you to dress differently too, Dave. I get it. But maybe they're saying, listen, why do you flirt so much with guys? And then you start getting mad. Or maybe you even get really angry at this idea and you resent it. But they're trying to only do the very thing that these women in the Bible were trying to do, and that's protect you. Would you allow the wisdom of people to love you well to protect you well? Cool? Maybe you're like, this is an old school perspective. Really? Really? Is this an old school perspective? Let me tell you something. 
Here's what I've seen in my experience, and I've been around a while. Guys and girls, men and women, if you want some straight talk, I'm about to give it to you. They'll date and they'll do married people things, okay? They'll do married people things, and what they're basically doing is they're pretending to be married, okay, even though they're not. So there's already a, a, a lie. There, there is a false picture that's being painted in this relationship. They're doing married people things, but they're not married. It's already starting on a bad foundation. Second thing, I've seen this a hundred times. A guy will unite with a girl sexually and then break up for whatever reason. I will see a girl unite with a guy like a married person would, and they break up. And I need this little crew back over here to pay attention. This pattern, guys, and I'm saving someone's life in here by about the, what, what I'm about to say. There is a pattern that begins to take place in people who live like this. I'm not, I'm not down on you. I'm not judging you. I'm just simply saying that when this happens, and this is a pattern of hooking up, breaking up, hooking up, breaking up, hooking up, breaking up, and you're in that pattern, here's what takes place. Those that are in this pattern, you know what they get really good at? Sex? No. They're not getting good at sex. You know what they're getting good at? They're getting really good at breaking up with people. And because of that, once again, I'm not trying to single anybody out, but I'm, I, I owe you my honesty. What you got to understand is when we get good at breaking up after having sex with somebody, is it really that hard to figure out why there's a 50% divorce rate in our country? Why? Because when things get tough, or there's a hotter person that comes across our path, or we don't like the way we're being treated, we're out. We're out. We're done. Why? Because you've already done this a thousand times before, right? So this is, the, this is what we're building in our lives is when we hook up, break up, hook up, break up, you're setting yourself up for failure. So when that person comes along your path and you go, man, I think this may be the one, you get into marriage, you find out that they have bad breath in the morning. You find out that, oh, my gosh, they're losing their hair. Stuff happens in the marriage, and you go, oh, I'm not into that. I need something hotter, younger, whatever, and then you're out the door. Not a surprise. It's very simple. This applies to Christians, atheists, it doesn't matter. It's a principle that is true. Why? Well, because they acted like married with other people. They got tired of them, and they found someone else. This is the total opposite of God's plan and purpose for marriage and sex. God's like, I invented this. Why don't you try it my way and see what happens? He says, for those in here who are hooking up and breaking up and hooking up and breaking up, he's saying, you poor thing, man. Your heart is being shredded. You have this reputation. You've got this background. You feel empty. And you're, your heart's a wreck. And it, it, it hurts me because I want better for you. So maybe if God cares that much about your sexuality, why don't we consider tonight, maybe let's hear how he does it and how he would recommend we do it. Cool? Till death do us part is described this way in Song of Solomon. Place me like a seal over your heart. Wrap your name of commitment around my heart. Those verses should be going up. And only leave those slides up just for a couple seconds if you don't mind. I'm going to say this verse again because I don't know if it's coming up or not. But place me like a seal over your heart. This is in the Bible. Romance. God. Into it. 
Place me like a seal over your heart. Wrap your name of commitment around my heart. And as I thought about this and I was writing the rest of the sermon out, this is what I want to share with you. So if you're taking notes or you want to quote me tonight, here you go. You ready? Sex is best enjoyed when there is a godly promise wrapped around it. Sex is best enjoyed when there's a godly promise wrapped around it, and you absolutely can clap for that because that's some truth right there. God says that this promise should be so strong between you and your boo that the only way to break this promise is to die. Buried six feet under the ground, dead, kind of dead. Then the person's free to go find someone else, a new boo or a new shouty. All right, y'all got to lighten up a little bit. So in this engagement process, then here's what would happen. Then the groom would present something known as a katuba. Everybody say katuba. It's not a band instrument. This was a very expensive gift, okay? And basically what would happen is the groom would go to the father and he would say, this is what I will do to honor, to love, and to respect and care for your daughter. And then what he would do is he would give the father a very expensive gift, And this gift wasn't some cheesy, like, gift card to Chili's. Like, it was like a really expensive gift. Like, the groom had to go out and save a lot of money to do this. But what he was basically saying is, thank you so much for raising a rock star for a daughter. And let me give you this gift. Thank you. All right. So then, here's what would happen. Then Scripture, check this out. Scripture says this. In the engagement ceremony, this is what would happen. The groom would go to the bride. So now there's a a gathering. Now imagine, ladies, the groom is across the room. Okay? Gentlemen, that beautiful girl that one day you will get to marry after you go through all these hoops is across the room. And you're looking at each other and you're like, right? That would be me. And then the woman across the room would be slowly pulling out mace going, <laughs> you know, one thing at a time, hot shot. But here's what would happen. The groom would go to the bride, and he would pour a glass of wine into a real fancy cup. What does that mean? Oh, this is going to blow you away. At this moment, the bride is now in control. Ladies, you down with that? She's... Yeah, she's calling the shots at this point. The groom pours the wine. He presents the glass to her in this real fancy cup, and then she gets a choice. She could do one of two things. She could drink from the cup, hand it to her by the groom to enter into this agreement of being married to him, or she could simply say, no, thank you. So the the groom, he's like, oh, please, come on, come on, right? It was the woman's choice. She was in control. Guys, this is a foreshadowing of the blood promise when Jesus held up the cup of wine at the Last Supper. This is what he said, Matthew 26, 28. This is my blood of the covenant, a promise which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is what we would understand when we take communion on Sunday mornings, guys. When we choose, now check this out, this is so amazing. When we choose to drink from the cup at communion, this is a picture of the bride, the bride of Christ, making a choice. 
the groom, Jesus, holding out the cup to us. Do we take it or do we not? And accepting the groom's official proposal of marriage, a promise. Tell me that's not some heavy stuff. So amazing. So if she drinks from this cup, what would happen? If she drinks it, everybody cheers. The two mothers would come together. They would get this beautiful plate, and they would hold it on one side. The other one, they would hold it, and they would smash it down to the ground, and it would break into a 1,000 pieces. You're like, what are they, what are they so mad about? No. This was to signify there ain't no turning back. It's happening now. You've done made your bed, and it's time to sleep in it. We'll get to that in a minute. The groom would then go through this ceremony, and what he would do is he would take this beautiful soon-to-be bride, he would take the veil, put that picture up, and then he would put it over her face. You ever wonder why? What does that mean? Where does that come from? The veil was really important. First off, it represented the bride's purity. But the second thing is it also meant that this woman was off limits, okay? In other words, she's mine, sucker. I will eat your face off if you get near her. That's what the veil represented, So then, here's what would happen. He would say, angel girl, I will now go and prepare a place for you. And he would walk out the door. He would grab a saw. He would grab a hammer. He would grab some nails. And he'd get after building a house. But not just anywhere. He would actually attach it to his father's house. Okay? So here's what he would do. This guy who wants to marry this girl He's gone through all of these, all these things, but now he's got to build this house. And so he would go out and get the finest materials. Ladies, I'm talking like granite countertops. I'm talking about like a jacuzzi tub. I'm talking like a media room. All of the good stuff. And he would put everything he had into making this place for his bride. The dad, the whole way, would inspect the process. And he would go, son, that's corner, that corner ain't square. Go get after it again. You're going to have to make this right. And his dad wouldn't let him budge. It had to be perfect. Because you can't bring some woman into some nasty house that you didn't spend any time putting together. This matters. And then the groom would finish building this new place. And then the father would look at it and say, okay, now you can get married. As I thought about this tradition, I am so glad that I did not have to do this with my wife, Sarah. Because... I can barely work a screwdriver, guys, okay? After 22 years of being with this woman, I would still be building it. And this is kind of a picture of what my house would look like if I were to build her a house, okay? So now, say what now, Dave? The house is built. Oh, we're getting close. We're getting close. Now, you got to understand, this bride and groom, they got desires just like we do. They're counting down the days till party time. But stuff has to happen first. Otherwise, we're putting the cart before the horse. Now, what if I told you? What if I told you? Now, just hit the pause button and listen to this. What if I told you this? He built all this stuff, the ceremony, the wine, the significance, the promise, the house. He's worked, all the rest of the stuff. We're about seven days out from the marriage at this point. But what if they actually either wind up in the same place and the women that were supposed to be guarding her purity are, like, going to get their nails done or something like that, and it's just him and his soon-to-be bride? And they're looking at each other. We're not supposed to be together, but oh my gosh, I cannot wait to be with you. Oh, honey, I can't wait to be with you either. You know, I got a thought. Normally it's the guy who has the thought. We don't have to have intercourse in order to have 
I mean, we can just kind of find the loophole in the, in the law and just kind of mess around a little bit. How many of y'all, all of a sudden, it cheapens the story just a little bit, honestly? Does it kill a little bit of the romance and the beauty of sacrifice and waiting and doing the right things? Dude, you're seven days out. But what if they just went all the way? Can't help it. Doesn't it take some of the magic out of something, a story like this? You see what I'm saying? I, I'm just, for me, maybe, maybe that's, that's not you. You're like, man, they should have done it months ago. But for me, I just go, man, hang tight. It's going to be good. You're almost there. So what would happen? In this case, they haven't done that. So they stayed pure. And the bride and groom would then go into a holy fast. Everybody say a holy fast. Yeah, so what they would do is they would stop eating food for seven days to prepare themselves spiritually for this day. So there's a lot of physical preparation, but there's a spiritual preparation. Why? Why does that matter? Because when you have sex with someone, it's not just your body involved. It's your mind and your soul. And so it's a spiritual act as much as it is a physical act. And so there's a Hebrew word, the big wedding day being here now, there's this Hebrew word called berith. Everybody say berith. Oh, that's good. On this day of the wedding, the couple would stand in front of the priest, and the priest would take a very sharp knife. No joke. He would take the groom's hand, and he would slice it. Then he would take the bride's hand, and he would slice it open. Now listen to this. The blood would begin to come out, and they would prepare to seal their promise with the blood from their hands. You see, the Bible says that the life of the body is found in the blood, okay? And so the bride and the groom, what they would do is they would join their hands together, mingling their blood, and the priest would then tie their hands together with a rope, meaning that they're, now check this out, at this moment, they are no longer considered two separate people anymore. They are now seen in God's eyes as one. But just as it is with our relationship with Christ, DSM, we are one with Jesus, and our relationship with him is a promise, sealed, a covenant, sealed by his blood. Sealed by his blood. But check it out. They're not fully married yet. You're like, can we just get on with it? What else do they got to do? Oh, you're, you know what they got to do. After the marriage ceremony, they weren't completely married yet. There was one thing that had to take place before it became official. What made, now listen to this, what made their marriage official in the eyes of God, what sealed the deal was when the bride and groom would come together and have sex. That's, at that moment, God says, and now you're married. Actually, what would happen is the, the husband would take a lambskin and he would lay it on the, on the marriage bed. And at that point, then they would formally and righteously seal their marriage by having sex. And there would be the virgin's blood. And this moment was a celebration. Listen to this. This moment was a celebration of their holy promise to one another and to God. Till death do they part. There was no mourning after. There was no regret. There's no shame. There's no, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry I did that. I went too far. What was I thinking? There's no guilt. There's no fear of getting caught. Only a moment of perfect love and lifelong commitment consummated by this act of sexual union. 
This is the ultimate picture of safe sex. Safe sex is not a pill or found in a condom. This is safe sex and what it looks like. Because not only does it protect your body, guys, it protects your heart, which is a far greater value. And it's beautiful. So let me just break this down as we land week one of Bay. Ladies, are the boys in your life who are trying to get you to do stuff with them or send pics of yourself over a text sound like the picture of the real man I just described in this story? And notice I said boys. They're not men. I don't care how big and ugly they are. I don't care that they got a car that they could drive standard in. I don't care. I don't care how big their muscles and their six-pack abs are. Could not care less. They're boys. They're boys. Sure, they can make all the promises in the world to you. Like, I promise I won't share this picture with anybody. You know, those kind of promises that are really special and beautiful for a girl who's got this beautiful body and, and it should be cherished and loved by someone who loves them till death do they part. But, hey, I, the covenant, the promise I make with you is I won't share this picture with anybody else. Lie, by the way. If I had a dollar for every girl that had tears in her eyes who shared an inappropriate pic with a boy, and he then showed it to all of his friends, and it's somewhere out on the internet, I'd be very rich. They're sharing your pictures, by the way. Because guys like to brag. It's just the way it is. Ladies, my question is, are they willing to step up to an altar at your wedding and say, baby, till death do us part? Are they willing to love your heart before they love your body in marriage? I'm just asking questions, man. To quote the great theologian, Vanilla Ice. You better drop that hero, drop the zero, and get it with the hero. Totally blew that one. Boys, gentlemen, let's talk about you for a second. The girls you've been chasing, the girls who may be chasing you, do they sound like the bride I just described? Are they willing to honor their bodies and honor you by saying the word no? Young men, if purity is not a priority for the ladies in your life, then let me tell you something. These ladies should not be a priority for you. I've dated fast girls. I've dated girls that were hoochies. I have. I'm not with any of them. But you know who I'm with? My wife. You know why? Yeah. You know why? Because she's amazingly beautiful. But secondly, because there's something different about her. And I found out that she respected herself. And I found out that she respected her body. And I found out that she had convictions. And that, and guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't as strong as a Christian as I am now. Oh, I tried. I tried and failed. And she's like, I need one of these, homeboy. I need one of these, sorry. You ain't touching nothing. Get, get, go home, go home. But there's a big elephant in the room. And you're like, some of you want to climb under your chair. Because you're sitting here. And this little crew over here, you're distracting me. So please, don't rob this moment from people around you, okay? Cool? Are we cool? 
You're looking down. You're not even listening to him. He's actually still talking to his friend. Hey, gentlemen, I'm talking to you too. Thank you so much. This matters because I care about you guys. And I sit in offices for too long as a youth pastor, and I deal with people who have messed up, and they go, I wish I had known. I wish I could have made a different decision, and they're wrecked because of it. And it's not just because their choice. You see, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can use a hot chick with the right curves or the right guy who's got the right things going for him and he knows how to talk well, he knows how to fool your present, your parents, and then takes you off to somewhere else because he's so romantic and he's so smooth and he's unimpressive to anybody and God's not impressed either. You see, when these moments happen, you get on the other side of this and all the things that the devil has promised you that these moments would bring to you, you have been stolen from and you know it. And then you begin to look in the mirror and you go, I'm not pure anymore. I'm not holy anymore. I can't even go to DSM anymore. Do you see what the enemy's doing? And what he's doing underneath all that is he's trying to convince you of a different identity. So instead of standing in your purity and understanding what Jesus Christ has done for you, you begin to look in the mirror, ladies, and you begin to hear the word slut. You begin to hear the word hoochie. You begin to hear the word ho. And you go, that's all that I am. And if that's all that I am, I guess that's all I'll ever, ever be. So any guy that just wants to use me, if I could just feel important and beautiful for a moment, I'm in. But then I sit down with girls like that, and they don't know where to turn. They have no idea what a normal, respectful, loving, godly relationship looks like. And it makes me sad. So that's why I'm calling you guys out. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to single you out. But this matters. Because people, your lives are on the line. It matters. That's why we're doing this sex series. I had a, a dollar for every boy that walked into my office and sat down who were womanizers. And they go, I'm so addicted, I can't stop. If I get one girl to text me a nude picture of themselves, I need 30. It's like I can never get this satisfied. Some of you, you're so wrapped up in pornography, and you know what I'm talking about. And you're like, where did the last five hours go? It never satisfies you. If these things satisfied you the way that they promised, you would only have to do it one time. But we have to constantly go back and go deeper and deeper to try to find that high, and it never comes. All that you see is destruction. This is not even a Christian point of view. This is fact. Read an interview from an ex-porn star to see if if what I'm saying is not right. They say it's the most disgusting, disgusting thing that they've ever been a part of. They hate men. It ain't what you think it is. Back to my notes. If you and I were at Mission Coffee and we're hanging out, I I had to change the brand. I got in trouble. (laughs) And we're sitting there. And you went, Dave, that, that was a great sermon. I'm glad for all the little good little girls and boys in church. That ain't me. What do I do? What I want to let you know is don't let Satan play that game with you. Here's what you need to know. Y'all ready? For the porn addicts in the room, for those who've gone too far, for those who go, man, I'm never going to hang tight. The marriage process I just described to each and every one of you is an exact picture of what Jesus has done and was willing to do in order to be with us. You go, how does that work? You see, before Jesus, everybody say before Jesus. Okay, all of us were brides not worth marrying. 
okay? We were all damaged goods because of our sin in our lives. We've all sinned. We don't deserve perfect love. We don't deserve a real man in our lives. But Jesus is the groom according to Scripture. And this groom has sacrificially and lovingly chosen us to be his bride. And you go, David, that's so beautiful. But what's that based on? Oh, Ephesians 5. For husbands, this means love your wives just as who? Oh, so there's a parallel? Oh, yeah. Just as Christ has loved the church. Who's the church? DSM. He gave up his life for her to make her what? Make her and washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot, without a wrinkle, or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and she will be without fault. Who's that about? It's you. So for those who've crossed the line and gone too far, Jesus has done this for you, and you can be restored. It's going to be okay. Stop trying to fix yourself and clean yourself up. You will be faultless, and you will be holy, because that's what Jesus has done. So if you've gone too far, know that the forgiveness and the love of Jesus, the shedding and the mingling of his blood on the cross, allows us to become spotless and clean in his sight, holy and restored without fault. You get a new identity and you get a new name when Jesus becomes the groom of your life. You're worth marrying. Just like when my wife, Sarah, she took my last name when we got married. Her maiden name is Hoover. Her, now, her name now is Martin, Sarah Martin, right? She took on a new identity. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we're no longer known by our maiden name, which was Guilty Sinner. Our identity is now Jesus, and we are now known by who Jesus is, not who we were or what we've done. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take the next couple of minutes, and I want the band to come up. And there's two groups of people I want to talk to. And I want us to dim the lights in the crowd because this is a personal moment because this is a personal issue, right? So let's kill the lights in the room and just have the stage lit up. And here's what I want you to do. No talking. No, just, just hang tight, okay? Here's what I want you to do. For those of you in here, you went, I had no idea all of this was a parallel to what Jesus has done for me. You mean that I can have a fresh start? You mean to tell me I can have a new, a new day? I could start over. I could be pure again? But David, you don't understand. I've lost my virginity. Guess what? God can restore you. Now, physically speaking, whatever. It's a condition of the heart. Do you remember what I said at the beginning? This is much, as much about your body as it is your soul. And your soul is the only thing that's going to last forever. So Jesus is most interested in that. And if you want that to be clean, pure, and holy, I want to tell you something. If you're like, Dave, I want that. How do I get that? How do I start new? How do I get a fresh start? John 14, 1 says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in God and trust also in me. This is, there's more than enough room in my father's home. So this is a picture of Jesus saying, you're my bride and I'm going to go build a house for you. I'm going to build a house for you. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this weren't so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? No. When everything is ready, I'm going to come and get you. Because you're my bride. And you're spotless and you're without fault. And I can't wait to be with you. So that you will always be with me where I am. Does it sound like that he's holding grudges in your, against people's pasts? 
No. He's like, it's almost time to come home. And you know the way to where I'm going. Where's, the, where's he going? He's going to be with the Father in heaven. And you go, okay, I want Jesus then, David. I want a fresh start tonight. I want to start over. But I, I thought that I just had to stop thinking about it. I thought I just had to stop doing it. No, that's a supernatural work that only Jesus can produce in you. Ephesians 1.3 says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard this message of truth. Tonight, DSM, you've heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That means his promise, his covenant with you is wrapped with the Holy Spirit in your heart who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. You've been sealed with a promise and a never-ending covenant. Not even death could separate you from the love of God that is found through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is good news, guys. So for those of you who are going, man, I had no clue, but everybody bow your heads. And here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you want to receive Christ tonight, if you want to exchange your maiden name of guilty sinner for approved of and holy and take on the identity of Jesus Christ, you can leave it right here tonight and start new. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And the prayer doesn't save you. God is looking at the sincerity of it, your heart. And if you want to receive forgiveness, if you want to see, receive eternal life, if you want to be seen as faultless and holy in God's eyes, pray with me right now. Dear Jesus. I confess I'm a sinner. I confess my sin has separated me from you. I confess I'm not worth marrying in your sight. But tonight, I lay down all my sins at the cross. And I trust that your blood that was poured out will mingle with my sin and that I will become new, holy, faultless, and yours forever, even after death. I make the decision tonight to exchange my sin for your forgiveness, to exchange my life for your life, Jesus. And I commit to follow you the rest of my life. Jesus, please now fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive your Holy Spirit, your seal, upon my heart, and I ask for this in Jesus' name. And DSM, for those in here who prayed that for the very first time in your life and you meant it from the bottom of your heart, I'm not gonna ask you to do anything weird, I just want you to raise your hand. I just wanna celebrate, yeah, you not only raised your hand, you stood up. Anybody, yes, who else, who else? Who else, raise your hand high, I see you, I see you. There's a new beginning for you guys. Awesome. Please snag somebody at the end of the service and tell them about the decision that you've made. You have now been made one with Christ. The rest of you, we got about five minutes. So I'm not gonna beg you. But guys, some of you are so convicted tonight. And I don't want, like I said, I don't want you to walk out of these doors feeling guilty, shame-filled, feeling like you've just screwed up too much to be loved by God. Guess what? If you already have accepted Christ as your Savior, tonight's the night you remember who you really are. And you're not defined by the boy. You're not defined by the girl. You're not defined by your past. You are defined by Jesus Christ because you have his name. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. 
If you need to lay down the burden and start over, then get up out of your seat, come down here, kneel at the altar, and get right with Jesus because he loves you. Come on, hurry up. decided to follow Jesus tonight? How many of y'all have decided? Yeah. We got two more weeks, but the next two weeks are going to be like crazy practical. This was the most heavy of all the nights and because we have to start here, right? God has a plan for your life and he's got the one picked out for you. And man, the enemy would love to come in and wreck that plan to get you focused or to trade in something good instead of ha having something great, right? But tonight, trust in Jesus, man. So when you go home and you're tempted, when you go home or you're walking out and that person's texting you, it's gonna happen this week. It's gonna happen. These, these old wells that you've been going to to feel love and significance or to satisfy an immediate need in exchange for a much higher price, it's tonight is the night you begin to start deleting some people's numbers, guys. How bad do you want this? Tonight is the night that you take your phone, if, it's a, if this is the gateway for you that's caused you to feel shame and to feel separated from the love of God, take this phone, give it to your mom and dad and say, keep it in your room at night. You're going, Dave, how bad do you want it? Do you want to save your life or do you want to just be like everybody else?
Do you truly want to live the vow? Do you truly want to consecrate yourself for something better? Or do you want to follow the path of the world? No one's going to remember. There's nothing special about that. But there's something special who says, I will do whatever it takes. Because that person is out there and they deserve my commitment to God and to them. And they do. And you better be hoping that person is out there who's got a youth pastor like me telling them the same thing to stay pure. So they stay pure for you too. It's a new day. God loves you. Make good decisions for the glory of God and for God's best for you so you can enjoy this gift in the way that he intended for you. He loves you. I love you. Bring your friends next week. If you see an empty seat in here, it means God bought us, bought that seat so we can fill it with somebody, to quote the great Bishop Jakes. So if there's an empty seat in here, who are you going to bring in here next week? Because you know they need to hear this. Ain't nobody talking like this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would bless these students. I love them, and I'm so thankful to you for them. And I pray, God, that you would help them take the first steps in living out their fullest potential because you love them in Jesus' name. Before you get out of here, two more weeks of sex and dating. Next week is going to be so fun. I, I cannot wait to preach it. I wish I could preach it now. Miss um, Shelby, where are those announcements? Oh, no Inspire this Sunday. No Inspire this Sunday, ladies. I'm sorry. And uh, there you go. That's the only announcement. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and all that good stuff. Get out of here. Tell your parents, I didn't warp you tonight, okay? All right, love y'all.